Welcome to the LDN Radio Show, brought to you by the LDN Research Trust. I'm your host, Linda Elsigood. I have an exciting lineup of guest speakers who are LDN experts in their field. We will be discussing low-dose naltrexone and its many uses in autoimmune diseases, cancers, etc. Thank you for joining us. The title of my talk was LDN and CBD, which is something which we really haven't gone into in great detail. But what I wanted to do was establish the concepts of what we do know and what we have worked on. And the first thing I just wanted to uh, point out, it goes along with some of the themes raised yesterday, is this is actually the, a, a brief history of immunotherapy and oncology. And I don't want you to go through and read it all in detail, but just to point out that the modern era really started in the 1890s with Cooley's toxins. And it has really taken all the way through to the uh, um, 1980s before we had interleukin-2, etc., and fairly recently with the big checkpoint inhibitors. It's a long time. And I just wanted to put this into context relative to what we're dealing with today. This is the hallmarks of cancer. It was published in 2000. That's 19 years ago, nearly 20 years ago. And uh, these were the six components thought to be really important in cancer. Target these and you had it cured. This was the, how they went. And just to take an example there, sustained angiogenesis. That became the, um, the, the, the attack point for things like Avastin which, although they've been commercially super successful, they have been very disappointing in the clinic. And my whole point of bringing this up was it took another 11 years before there was lots of people like me banging on that you can't have six hallmarks of cancers based on the cell cycle when there's much more to it. There's the environment and the immune system. I'm just saying the immune system has been shown to be important since the turn of the last century. And it took them all that time to... Um, admit that there was something involved with uh, um, hallmarks that did involve the immune system and that inflammation was important and that this uh, led to a genomic instability and mutation, etc. And it was Bob Schreiber who really pointed out that uh, the whole of cancer was, it was dependent on the immune system at every phase. Elimination We've known that chemotherapy, uh, if it eliminates in a uh, tumor in a mouse, that if that mouse has any gene uh, mutated, knockout of any immune gene at all, it will eliminate the cancer, but it will come back. It will just metastasize. So it means you need a healthy immune system to maintain and keep cancer at bay. And in this three E's, the elimination, the bit that I'm interested here is the equilibrium. This equilibrium uh, we know requires not just CD8 cells, but cells from the innate immune system, the NK cells, and the gamma delta cells. And if these fail to do the control, you get the inevitable escape, which is so common in most of the cancers. And my point really is to point out that cancer is actually the biggest immune modulator of all. Uh, my own uh, group uh, was, are very proud of this uh, information that we found here. There were patients going who had colorectal cancer going for surgery, uh, thought not to be too disseminated, so could be completely eliminated by surgery. This was their response, the bar on the left, to being stimulated. 
the ones in the middle with the controls going to surgery without cancer, the one on the right-hand side is the what happened a month after the cancer was removed. They bounce back into the normal range. But the median is lower than normal, and based on this, we were able to show that the closest you were to the uh, below the median, the quicker you die. This is a seven-year-later follow-up. So it's really important. This is the uh, basic um, uh, blueprint for cancer. That it's just a random series of mutations involving oncogenes, suppressor genes, etc. And because of this data, we basically reinterpreted this and said, basically, this random event only really occurs in a chronic inflammatory basis. And I don't have time to go into it, but all the solid tumors arise in chronic inflammation, whether it be from smoke, tobacco, um, diet, viruses, infections, etc. And this basically led me to look at the work of Tim Mossman, who basically said in the immune responses, apart from the T and the B cell, within the T cell compartment, there's cell-mediated and there's humoral-mediated. That's with the leading to antibodies, etc. But he defined them with the cytokines. And uh, you can see the cytokines there, the Th1. These are the important ones in cancer. Uh, Th2 are, are, are bad. So... In uh, cancer, I'm going to go to this one first. In cancer, you get a suppression of the Th1 responses and an overcompensation of the Th2. We see this in HIV and we see it in TB. Chronic infections do this, so they're actually suppressing the ability of the immune response to control them. And I'm just going to go back to this other one. And we thought this was very, very similar to the um, nonlinear mathematics models. This is Lorentz attractor. The importance of this, it's uh, used in the, to describe it a chaos theory where everything goes around, but it goes around attractors. You perturbate those, and it comes back and resets. And this is what doesn't happen in, when you've got HIV, TB, or cancer. So what we want to do is basically to reset the dynamics to allow the system to control its, itself. And uh, it's going the wrong, wrong way there. So all my last, uh, well, over the last decade and a half, I've been working out how can you reset that when you can't remove the cancer. We know if you remove the cancer, you're halfway there. And I just wanted to point out, this was a randomized study we did, survival in pancreatic cancer, where we added an immune modulator, which is a heat-killed mycobacteria, that's the blue line on the right, uh, to gemcitabine versus gemcitabine alone. And that's in metastatic disease. We got an incredible overall survival just by shifting the immune response, pushing the Th2 down, pushing the Th1 up. That's what it took. So we then looked at the fact that there were other drugs that we'd worked on. Um, I haven't got time to go into this, but it was very interesting. Thalidomide was a very good drug for depressing the Th2, so obviously had a very good role. Very good anti-inflammatory, but causes dreadful uh, birth defects, neuropathy, etc. So I was involved with a program to make analogues of this with a small company with a couple of Brits, in a company called Celgene, and we came up with lenalidomide and put that into the first patients in the, uh, in the world, the first person in the first phase one, where we noticed actually it boosted the immune response. We were really not expecting that. And then we went on to show that it boosted the uh, immune response to vaccines. And so the survival in a very bad, uh, I mean, a very, sorry. So the survival in a very bad um, mouse model where the vaccine protects 20% at, at the best, 
don't seem that this is working. Sorry, it's come back. Sorry, I, can you do that? I thought that was a, a laser button, but instead of it's something. Anyway, the, the survival, if you pre-treated with this drug, led to the vaccine being three, four times as effective better. And we thought it was due to it was boosting the immune response, but it was actually uh, working as a, um, a, an anti-inflammatory. So, sorry. I don't know how that happened. So it's actually... And it's normally where the uh, laser is. So, uh, anyway, here we go. We're getting back on track. So, I'll do... Uh, oh, hang on a second. I'll just... <clears throat> so, the bottom line of this is the fact we realised it was an anti-inflammatory effect. And it was having a major effect on... I won't do that again. On immune response. So, we went on and found out that everybody looks for a mechanism in, uh, for a drug... And this is why I'm using this, because to discuss LDN and the cannabinoids. It's because we studied it for well over 15 years, and we couldn't determine one particular mechanism. It varied in circumstances. We found it inhibited T regulatory cells, boosted NK cells, boosted CTLs, it was an anti-inflammatory, etc. And uh, this is one of the reasons we think that it's worked so, so well. And this is the reason why when I started working with low-dose naltrexone, that I was able to relate to it. I thought low-dose naltrexone is actually an immune modulator. It's an anti-inflammatory leading to a knock-on benefit on the immune response. So that brings me to the title of the talk, The Cannabinoids. Where are we going uh, with this? So the cannabinoids, you haven't got time to discuss it in great detail. But the point is that there's over 100 active uh, compounds. Um, uh, Roger Pertwee, who's a real expert in this field, I heard talk only uh, two weeks ago, uh, says it characterized over 130. But the bottom line, there are two major subsets. There's the THC and the CBD. And uh, with our work, we've looked at the uh, cannabinoids of the cell cycle. And the most important thing, in spite of what's out there, is a lot of work out showing various cell death. But in the average uh, cell line that we look at, there's no particular change in profile. There's a lack of for cell death and reduction of number. There's cytostasis. It turns over much slower. There's a rest at all stages of the cell cycle. And this is all published, so I'm not going to go in and do the boring talk and point out every single lot here. But just to tell you what it means, we found that there was a marked change in a lot of different pathways, but the most interesting one was in P21. There's no clear alterations in usual signaling proteins that you would expect with cytotoxic drugs or targeted uh, drugs. Um, but there was uh, changes on P21 levels increasing, but no DNA damage. And that's essentially what the, uh, um, so stressing there. So single agent, there was cytostatic. Uh, there was death at higher concentrations, but very high concentrations, and arrest at all phases of the cell cycle. The uh, median effect was an absence of antagonism, weak synergy in some combinations. So we basically wanted to know it, why is the cell death minimal when there are uh, quite a few reports out there that they will inhibit some cell lines, etc. And this is what was really quite surprising. While looking to see what we could do if we washed out cells and look, had them ready to add in other 
drugs in sequence, etc., we found that in the control, and this is the great advantage of doing the control, in the control where we just left it literally as the control, we found that when we got eliminated the uh, CBD in particular from the culture, the cells started to die. And that's the one on the top right-hand corner. You can see that they're continuously providing the CBD, nothing happens. They just slow down, they don't die. You withdraw it and they do die. And, and we've repeated this time and time again and the facts at the bottom right-hand side shows that there's the start of apoptosis, etc. So what we wanted to understand, and that's there showing looking at the, uh, um, the details of the DNA content and the uh, P21 in particular, the changes, what we wanted to know was exactly why, and uh, we were able to reproduce this. We've published it on the chemic cell lines, but we found it to be the case for all these solid tumor cell lines. Well, shortly, why is this? Well, tumor cells are renowned for having a different glycolysis uh, pathway, glucose, the Warburg effect, for loving acidic conditions and anoxia. And to this, I was wondering whether, in fact, we should add the... the all this makes them very susceptible to becoming addicted to the cannabinoids. And that's uh, uh, essentially what I've uh, um, come, uh, come to the conclusion is, is going on because it's so reproducible. And from this, we have actually put it into the clinic and colleague Julian Kenyon, I think, mentioned he's actually shown that the... Uh, um, going from a continuous to a three days on, three days off has gone from stable to um, responses in clinical situations, including breast and prostate cancer. We've looked at a lot of um, uh, CBD combinations there, uh, particularly with uh, different CBD combinations um, with THC, CBG is the one that we've uh, uh, taken most interest in, and uh, different um, uh, uh, drugs as mentioned. In this slide we've looked at different mixes of uh, cannabinoids showing that there is on the right there, labelled there, that certain mixtures such as CBD and CBG at a one-to-one -one, uh, give a better uh, reduction in cell viability than either alone when used continuously. And this is essentially the sort of work that we are looking at. THC CBD, because we think it's very important in, uh, in gliomas, we've looked at this in particular, and this basically data is of interest because the P means a purified and the uh, BDS means that, that that's plant-derived. And you can see in this plot where the lower... The, um, the point is, the more effective it is, you can see that the purified um, CBD and THC have stronger activity than the uh, plant-derived. So this is something we're very interested in taking into the clinic. This just shows that we've looked at a lot of different drugs, and just to show an example, that the cannabinoids plus vincristin, anything below the line is uh, increased activity. Anything above the line means there's no synergy, it, uh, it even counteracts. So here, what we're showing, great synergy with vincristin, but not with cytarabine. So of all the combinations that we've looked at here, I think this is the most interesting, is that we found in a classic mouse model that C THC and CBD are able to potentiate irradiation, delay repairs of DNA damage. And uh, this is published, and I'll just show that why we think this is very interesting. Uh, the first, uh, on the lower left-hand corner, the first one you can see untreated, and you can see that the effect of the cannabinoids reduces the dose, uh, reduces the growth, 
and irradiation also reduces the growth. But when you put the two together, so if you look at the uh, chart on the right uh, lower side, you can see when you use the two together, they've got complete elimination of the tumour, which you can get with neither, whatever dose you use. Uh, this is all shown with lovely MRI work, and there's the same thing there, correlating it with the MRI, but also with really nice histopathology showing that the one I think I really want to stress, I don't have to, uh, time to go through all of it, but the red one in the middle, that red line, shows that there's virtually eliminates all angiogenesis of the tumour, and that's completely consistent with the tumour uh, being completely removed. And you can see at the top, very nice H&E morphology MRI, that this results in virtually complete elimination of the combination. And that's what got us really interested in uh, taking this forward into cancer, and this is what I'm talking about. But the message is that we think this is all acting through anti-inflammatory cytostasis uh, um, events and not cytotoxic. And hence, it could be uh, an integrated modality with other treatments. I just noticed I missed an A. And this effect may be regards with, uh, uh, but very important, with things like uh, stem cell escape, etc. So what I'm going to concluding about is that based on this, I think there's a tremendous scope the basis of LDN and cannabinoid to have a massive impact on the current status quo of cancer management. What I can't tell you at the moment is I don't have a, a lot of raw data um, to, to put these two in together. I just put a little quote there, is that one of the problems we have in putting this into the clinic is putting one into the clinic is bad enough, but putting two is quite a problem. As you can see, one of my patients was told that uh, when she was stabilized on LDN and she went to see her oncologist, who couldn't believe she was still here, said he'd never heard of this drug. It's likely to be dangerous and she must stop it immediately. I just putting, I'm just putting that out. And that was the uh, medical director of a major cancer center in the southeast of England. So this is what we have to put up with in doing it. So with regards to CBD, I think that, the, that at the molecular level, we can show that there are shared activities with um, the imids, which is the lenalidomide, palmolidomide, the artusinates, which I have not talked about, which we've published quite a lot previously, and low-dose naltrexone. So as all of these achieve the same sort of effect, but all through different signaling pathways, etc., I think there's tremendous scope for using these in combinations and sequentially. And I don't have time to go into the fact we've been very surprised to find that uh, you have more effect using standard drugs sequentially than you can in using in the combination. And I think that that concept is actually going to be applied here. Now, I'm just going to, to finish and say that with regards to using it together, I don't have the, I'm not able to show you the lab data that, that we have on this, but what we can say is the enormous number of patients which you, you were all aware of who are, in fact, on both. And uh, we're starting to think that I believe that uh, all this should come out in discussion, what people feel about this and the combinations. But I certainly think there's tremendous scope uh, from the patients that we've seen who are taking these, who are taking at least the CBD intermittently. And that's, what, uh, that's the feeling that I'm getting coming out with uh, patients who are on both, is that it's better taking the LDN, and it goes back to, should LDN be taken intermittently, 
uh, every few days and then you stop. And I agree with the comments I've always subscribed to the fact that it's in the half-life is so short that it is intermittent if you give every day. But is there room for, for changing that when you're going to deliberately add in another similar modifier like the cannabinoids? And I think this is totally open to uh, discussion. I look forward to the question and answer. And I've just been given the final red flag to stop. <laughs> Thank you very much. Any questions or comments you may have, please email me linda, L-I-N-D-A, at ldnrt.org. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for joining us today. We really appreciated your company. Until next time, stay safe and keep well.